0: I'm Kurt, and you're listening to Kat and Kurt's TV Review. Welcome to episode 119, Tick Frickin' Talk. This week, we're discussing season 5, episode 8 of Buffy, Shadow, and series 8, episode 5 of Doctor Who, Heimheist.
1: As always, we suggest you watch the episodes before you listen to the podcast. Also, if you haven't done so already, you may want to listen to our first podcast to get an idea of our methodology. (laughs) Can I just say, I feel like that's one of the, like, nicer coincidences. Ser- season 8, episode 5, and series 5, episode I 8. I was just
0: about to say, like, I didn't even realize that until I No, until I was you reading. just said it. Yeah, so. Yeah. Very interesting. That
1: was, well done. Yeah.
0: Well we, done, us. Had a,
1: we, we, pl- we planned that three years in advance. Yeah, we, well, I was <laughs> going to say, we've
0: had a number of nice little sort of, serendipitous, you know, crossings here and there. Yeah. And, and this one um, was unexpected and one. even unnoticed until just now. So, interesting. Okay. Um, okay. Let's move on. Okay. Shadow. Yeah. Uh, David Fury episode. I know I... It is a David I, Fury I didn't, episode. I didn't say I was going to start with uh, notes, oh. and I don't actually have any other notes than just mentioning that, so. Okay. There you go. There, well. There's my... <laughs> There's my production <laughs> notes for the week.
1: That's good. Well, we like David Fury. Yeah. Um, and a good episode, I think. Um, like, I mean, it's one of these ones that, like, it's doing the kind of housekeeping of, like, getting everyone where they need to be. And, like, like it's not necessarily, like, yeah the huge, big, dramatic episode. It's more setting up for, like, what are probably, like, bigger episodes. But, like... Very well written and well acted and well done. I think all around.
0: Um, yeah, and there are, yeah, like you said, I like it's not, you know, the monsters kind of, blah, you know, like,
1: mm-hmm. okay,
0: yeah, we've done big snakes before, <laughs> you know, like we're right. not like looking for anything. Although,
1: although I, I do think the big snake is even a little better than it was last time. Like even, you know, it, I mean, it, in some ways it's kind of cheesy still, but like. And I mean, it wouldn't be buffy without a little bit of cheese in the monsters, <laughs> but um sure. but like even that you can kind of see like oh the effects are a little bit better than they were like a couple seasons ago and yeah. You know, yeah. Um you can see those kind of production improvements. Um,
0: and I and I think, you know, to sort of your point, like it's getting people where they need to go more from just the character perspective. I like there there's yeah. a lot of little moments in here Mm -hmm. um, really across kind of like what we're talking through, you know, a bunch of different people, but from almost all of the, like the Scoobies and the Summers, Mm -hmm. you know, family and, and whatnot. So you get little moments for almost all of them. So definitely worth, you know, taking time to sort of notice each of those as they happen and, and between several that are sort of unexpected, um, Mm -hmm. We'll maybe talk through that too, but uh, just, uh, I I do like it for that reason. Like it, it, it's potentially, I do have to say, I'm not a huge fan of the music montage, like sort of in like two thirds of the way through. Um, Although Uh it does, it does its job of providing a fair amount of exposition in a relatively short amount of time. But um, that to me does seem like a little bit of a slower, like, almost mm. focusing too much on things but i don't know we we can talk through uh the different items where would you like to right. begin right
1: well why don't we start with her magnificence glorificanus Gl- glorificus and, you know she glorificus that's you, it you, you threw in an you, extra syllable <laughs> i did um that's true i have it right here in my notes i wasn't even looking at it um well, I feel like she'd want to go first, so we have to start with her. <laughs> yes, um, this is true. So, yeah, so, you know, I think Xander has a line about whatever kind of rat-infested den she's probably hiding in. And then we kind of get this reveal of her fancy posh hotel, you know, with her, like, strewn uh, new clothes and shoes. Like, even when she's sort of the villain waiting to do her, you know evil deeds she does it you know in style and everything um and she has drag i guess his name is this kind of very servile demon you know who is just uh groveling and throwing every you know uh being completely uh just you know servile with her and over the top in his in his praise um you know and even when he makes a mistake, he says, I beg you to rip out my inadequate tongue and then like offers his tongue for yeah. her. Um, right. So yeah, like just kind of, I think all that is, it, it, you know, it. it's not necessarily telling us things we couldn't have known about Glory before, but just reinforcing this very, you know, kind of... Uh, vain materialistic you know way that she is like everything is about her own glory and that's how everyone must treat her and her her mission is the most important and her time is the most important and right. um kind of reinforcing all those things about her um and we do get the name for the first time you know
0: glorificus so glory yeah. is
1: sort of a a nickname that yeah she'll allow him to use
0: right well and which it seems like she prefers
1: yeah
0: yeah um so yeah yeah
1: yeah so um i guess like the main thrust of the plot is this plan that she has to uh you know conjure this monster which will then go and find the key for her um and it, it's it's pretty great that she just waltzes into the magic shop to, you know, buy the ingredients right. from Giles, you know, and there's the great kind of uh, horror movie jerk moment of like, she's right behind him, but completely undercut by the fact that, you know, a, she's not planning on like attacking anybody or doing anything, you know, bad. And he, they have no idea and don't recognize her, you know, and then she sort of goes on her way and, Oh, she could turn up anytime and we would have no idea. So, right. Kind of, kind of interesting that she doesn't, um, for as much as we see that she is powerful and can, you know, beat up Buffy pretty easily. She's not the kind of person that will go in and, you know, uh, ransack the the magic shop to get what she wants. She's sort of like, you know, uh, happy to play by the rules just to like, you know, buy her stuff and gets what she needs. And, um, that was, I mean, I think that's a slightly unexpected thing because I've been kind of thinking of her as this very showy kind of character. So it's kind of funny to have her actually go in and, you know, Purchase things and not make a big scene out of it. Well,
0: and when you think about it, too, like looking at um, the different, you know, like you said, there were like the the boxes and shopping bags and stuff. It's like, well, if you were just going in and ransacking places and taking what you want, you wouldn't have shopping bags because you wouldn't stop to like put them in a bag. So like it it seems like that's something like it's not just like something particular for the magic shop, like that that's actually something she... Maybe she just enjoys shopping, you know, like, or, or something along those lines. But yeah, like that, there's a, like, it's not that she necessarily, like you said, just goes and stomps everything. She has no problem doing that if it's the best way to sort of get what she wants, but she's also perfectly fine. Yeah. Like you said, following the rules of society, if it happens Mm -hmm. to not interfere with her will. (laughs) right um
1: Um, so i mean and so then you know she does giles sells her the ingredients the very dangerous ingredients and uh she does end up conjuring this uh snake monster um you know and and again i think i mentioned it before just the kind of uh in case we weren't sure before this reinforcement of the idea of how easily she can kick Buffy's butt, you know, and Buffy kind of says, well, last time I wasn't really prepared. I didn't know what I was dealing with. And this time it'll be better. And it's, I mean, she, it like, it it goes just as badly, you know, uh, this time as it did before. So, you know, you kind of get her annoyance at being, at having to fight at all, you know, and being attacked while she's in the middle of something. But you know it's really just because that interrupts her plans it's not because right. fighting buffy is you know uh particularly difficult for her
0: well and um, and it's like so now this is sort of the second time that buffy has shown up but glory hasn't like connected anything to her like it's like right. oh why is this fly still buzzing around me like <laughs> y- you know right. there there's no like, you know, it's just like, oh, for some reason, this chick happened to wander into this other place where I happen to be. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know. Yay. Like, you know, like there there there's an aspect there where Buffy's interfering could actually, like, give Glory some clue as to what's going right. on. But at least to right. this point, it, it hasn't. So... Um, right. there is now, sort of an now remind irony me
1: there. remind me because she does know that she's the slayer, right at this point, because she has she, the line about, oh, how common, but she hasn't connected that Buffy has something to do with the key that she's right she for. she
0: like detects it or something that that like Buffy right. is the slayer she's like oh, how common and but again, like um that first time around it's like in that warehouse, and it's just like right. It's like, oh, how did you happen to get here? And and so, you know, again, you know, Buffy comes in to sort of stop the spell, but like Glory Mm -hmm. doesn't connect that with Buffy knowing anything about the key or you know whatever. So, um, right, you know, that's with Buffy's sort of go go out and beat it up attitude. Like, mm-hmm. that is something to sort of take into account. Like, at some point, you know, too much uh, correlation, right. you know, leads to a suspicion of causation, <laughs> you know, in that sort right. of scenario. Right. So,
1: Right. Although in that way, Buffy's being the Slayer could be kind of a good camouflage because... She's not just, you know, I mean, Glory might think that she's not threatening and, and common and all those things, but at the same time, the fact that Buffy's the Slayer gives her an excuse to go out and try to get her, you know, she might just think, Oh, this is just what Slayers do rather than, you know, kind of, that might stop her even wondering why does this girl keep coming after me? She can just assume, well, it's a Slayer thing and that's what they do. Right. And, um So in that way, she might get away with that longer than, you know, she would if she were somebody else. Yeah. Um, but. Yeah, maybe. uh, That's
0: true. I I don't, I mean, and yeah, I like. Well, we'll, I mean, we'll have to see. There's no, I'm not like hinting at anything by saying that one way or the other. It's just like there there is sort of a like well why would you go and purposefully meddle with someone and you're right like maybe to glory's mind it's just that oh this is what slayers do they get in the way you know mm-hmm. when i'm trying to do what i want to do and it's annoying right. but you know i'll take a minute and beat her up and then continue right on. um and that's what like a lot of a lot of glory's personality is like just give me what I want and do it now. You know the the, mm-hmm. the tick fricking talk like this is, mm-hmm. you know, I want everything. And I love even when like she's getting irritated when she says arise and like mm-hmm. the snake doesn't arise immediately <laughs> and she's like arise, right. <laughs> you know, yeah, come on, what's going on here, snake? Instant gratification, um, yeah, very much, uh yeah, yeah, very much a see it, want it now sort of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, so well,
1: and that kind of. Guard begs the question her her line about you know does anyone appreciate that i'm on a schedule here is that just her impatience talking or is there you know is she referring to some sort of timeline of oh i only have this window to find the key before something happens so
0: sure um and, right you know right we don't we don't really know i guess at this point so right no but that's a good that's definitely a good question like is Right, is the timeline sort of artificial, like, everything she wants to do has to be done within a timeline, and that timeline is right, right now. <laughs>
1: right, or, I'm on a schedule just means I already told you to do this, and you haven't right. done it, you know? right. Um,
0: um, but yeah, there could be, like, some external factor that we just haven't learned about that mm-hmm. is sort of prompting her to want to find it quickly. Um, yeah. Yeah, so and and again, we sort of see at the end when the snake doesn't arrive, um, and we can talk about like the snake and its actual journey, too, but, like, mm-hmm. at the end when the snake doesn't arrive and she's, like, looking out her window and seeing the impatience and sort of blaming her uh, mm-hmm. you know, minion uh, mm-hmm. demon there. Like, you know, what's going on? Um, yeah, that, like, she's clearly distraught. I don't know if that's quite the word, but, like, mm-hmm you know, right. upset about things not happening sort of in the way she expects and in the timeline she wanted them to, so.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a kind of, like, forlorn quality to the way she, like, just looks out, you know, into the dark when she's waiting for the monster and she kind of knows it's not yeah. going to come, but is still looking for it. And and um, I do like
0: that sort of dramatic irony, like, you know, Buffy and the snake are sort of fighting just below the tree line where she can't see. right. Um, right. but also the fact that like the snake got that close and Buffy got that close and doesn't know right. where glory is actually staying. So,
1: right. Um, Ow, ouch. Sorry. <laughs> my cat just bit me. Oh, thanks. <laughs> nice. Oh my Mango's gosh. Going feral. Mango's going crazy. Uh, um, maybe I'll put her up on my lap. Sorry. We'll have to edit this.
0: <laughs> we'll just leave it in. Okay. Um,
1: if could just leave it. Mango, Mango um, has
0: an opinion on glory.
1: Yeah. She says, I'm on a schedule here. You're supposed to play with me. Mango is um, glory. Yeah, right. That's kind of how she gets treated. Um, okay. So, for the snake itself, um, yeah, I do want to talk about its journey because it uh, it works. You know, it it pretty much heads straight uh, to the magic shop, you know, from yeah. what we can see. Well, it,
0: um, it, does, it does do a couple I mean, it kind of stops. wanders around a yeah, bit. and then and, it picks up Dawn, Scent, or right. whatever. Like, maybe Scent isn't the right word, like Magical Trail or whatever. Uh, right. At the um, carousel where she and Riley had stopped earlier in the day. We, and we can talk about right. their, right. you know, sort of talk and stuff there. But, um, yeah, so it does sort of pick up her trail there and then finds Mm -hmm. it but um you know interestingly enough it finds the key and then doesn't do anything like turns around and leaves right right um which makes you wonder like okay like is that sort of like glory doing a poor you know, description mm. of what she wants and giving it, like, too literal of an interpretation. Right. of
1: Find me the key, but she didn't say anything about bringing right, it to her right, or like, something. Yeah.
0: Right. Had the snake actually gotten back to Glory, would she have said, you idiot, <laughs> why didn't you bring right. it to me, kind of? Right. Um, or or maybe it did exactly that, and Gloria's just, like, once it finds it and knows where it is, then... You know, right, Michelle maybe has, it's something she has to too. go
1: take care right. of it herself or something.
0: Um, um, but there's also Don's reaction, which right. is to scream. Right. <laughs> um, which seems logical enough. I mean, like, you know.
1: Hey, who am I to I, judge? I've never been faced down by a giant I snake monster. I say I wouldn't
0: scream like that
1: either. Right.
0: Um, so what's your, what's your thoughts about that? Because Willow seems to have a reaction of, like, well, why is the snake afraid of Dawn? Like, she seems to see mm-hmm. it as, like, the snake leaving in fear, not going.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like, obviously, she doesn't know what Glory had said or whatever. But, like. Right. Like, her interpretation, at least, isn't, oh, it's going back to tell Glory where Dawn is. <laughs> right. It's, oh, for some reason, it's scared of Dawn. Right. So I don't know like is there anything there do you think or do you, or is
1: I mean there could be I mean I tended to sort of write that off as willow not knowing um the full story you know because Buffy and Giles make the connection of you know it 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 seized on and it you know uh runs away it must you know have something to do with what she is and so they kind of make that that leap of oh it's gone to tell glory about it and i so i think it's easy to kind of write willow's thing off as well of course she doesn't know that don is yeah. anything special so it seems as though it was a kind of you know reaction of fear to don's you know screaming now i don't know maybe there is Something there that you know that Willow picked up on that the others um, didn't because they might be jumping to all sorts of conclusions that aren't necessarily correct either. Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, that was kind of my reaction: is that Willow just doesn't necessarily understand what's going on? But I I'll be interested to see if that perspective changes. Well, and i
0: I think it's good. I think you're right to point out that like. Yeah, like, Buffy and Giles, even though they know that, like, Dawn is the key, and mm-hmm. sort of have a vague description of what that means, they don't really know <laughs> what the key is. No. Like, you know, it's sort of, like, you know, we talked about it before. It's sort of like an energy source that opens a portal, but at the same time is sort of the portal itself. Is the portal. So, right. like... Like there's sort of multiple aspects from which to look at the key. And like so yeah, I'm not I'm not trying to suggest anything because I'll be honest, even knowing what comes later about Don's mm-hmm. sort of description, like I don't quite know how to interpret that. It could just be like we said, like the the snake is sort of fulfilling the uh letter of you know, uh right. glory's uh uh You know demand or or order to it
1: Mm -hmm.
0: or there could be something that's like magical to it like that dawn it you know by like like there's the scream but it's also like uh, like maybe like a banshee scream where there's like you know something behind it that like is scaring the the, and, and and i don't like we don't we don't get a specific answer to this with the snake because one, you know, like the snake's dead and doesn't talk and right. can't tell anyone. <laughs> um, so like, there's that aspect but also like it's just not addressed like that specific circumstance isn't addressed later. So I don't actually know. I'm just,
1: I'm curious. Yeah. I was curious to see no, if like
0: you had any and thoughts.
1: I mean and, that was sort of my thoughts as I was watching the episode and I saw like Buffy's interpretation and kind of that made sense. But the way it's shot, um, I definitely like, at least at first you do get that idea of um, there being something sort of supernatural about Dawn screaming itself. Like, I think just the, the fact that she doesn't just scream once it's, it's, it goes on for so long. And so there's this kind of like extended, yeah, you know, um, you know, prolonged nature to it. That definitely, it makes it almost feel like that is her, like, defense mechanism is to, like, you know, scream at something and it'll go away.
0: <laughs> I will say this, too. So when, when Dawn was sort of introduced, I think we talked a little bit about fan reaction to her.
1: Uh-huh, yeah.
0: One, one of the reasons many people dislike Dawn is because of her screaming, <laughs> or okay. sort of like her, you know, high pitched like squeal, like when she gets upset, kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um. So I'll I'll just point okay. that out too. Um, that's that. I mean, and that maybe that is her difference, and, and that defense has or... nothing to do with like her character or whatever. It's just that that's right. something that people tend to point out that they don't right. like about Dawn, and and sure. it's, it. It's usually included among, you know, other things sort of in that list of common uh, things that they don't like,
1: so. Right. I mean, and it's it's complicated because, you know, on the one hand, that seems like a fairly realistic thing for, you know, a 14-year-old girl, like, you know, who I think a large part of the point of, Um, of Dawn is this kind of you know teenage girl who isn't the slayer who doesn't have all these powers and so she can't react like Buffy to fighting something so she does what an ordinary person would do which is to just scream you know and so I think there's something kind of defensible and realistic about that you know so on the other hand I can also see how um, you know, you're used to like really uh I I really kind of have a weird relationship with the term strong female character. But for for yeah. want of a better term, you if you're used to a show which has like strong female characters who don't scream at things, they fight, then there could be something frustrating about, you know, a character like Dawn, like who doesn't defend herself, who just sort of, you know, right. screams. So um, I think there's some tension un- there. Of unless that is her defense. Those are sort of equally valid. What's <laughs> that? Unless
0: that is her defense. <laughs>
1: unless that is her defense, which, again, was one of my first reactions, was that's kind of the way it was presented, I think. At least the way it's, the I don't know that the story and the script suggest that, but the the filming of it does, if that makes sense. Like, the way whoever, the director or the editor sort of present yeah. it is you're right. It does have a kind of like, um, uh, supernaturally, you know, uh, evolves quality to it. Yeah. So, and, and it's ambiguous you know, again,
0: it could just be the snake doing mm-hmm. what it was told to all along. And had Dawn stayed silent, maybe the same exact right. reaction would have happened, but right. Dawn didn't stay silent. She screamed. And so we right. don't know. Right. <laughs> right what the actual truth is there um yeah so
1: um yeah so the last thing i want to mention with the snake monster um and this will transition us into buffy and and her family is is that kind of um i thought that was a pretty effective sequence of realizing that it knows and now we've got to hunt it down, you know, and Giles gets his little sports car out and <laughs> right. helps her track it down. But Buffy's kind of uh, fight with it, you know, and that, it, you know, that desperation of right. you're, it's almost there. And, and realizing how close they were to Glory finding out, you know, um, and the kind of like brutality of and, Buffy's fight with it.
0: And, and, and we're um, nearing... I mean, so this is episode eight. So we've just sort of crossed the, you know, third of the way through the season, you know. Right. So you're, you're nearing like the mid season sort of tension mm-hmm. point. Like if you're, if you're thinking about such things, that might be. No, structure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That might be in like the midst of your mind. Right. Like,
1: we might be looking for some sort of a revelation or confrontation at this um, point. Yeah. So just
0: pointing that out too. Uh
1: right.
0: But yeah, like you know, the tension is rising. Like, Glory's been close a couple of times now, and this seems like mm-hmm. the closest that she's been mm-hmm. to sort of getting what she wants um, mm-hmm. in that regard. And like, I mean, she saw Buffy. She doesn't know that Buffy stopped the snake, but she saw Buffy in the reptile house, you know, trying to stop mm-hmm. the snake incantation. And so, right?
1: How long? Is yeah, it like, be like will yeah.
0: will you know? like again you know pointed out that she doesn't she hasn't yet sort of put 2 and 2 together but maybe she could put 3 and 3 together or 4 and 4 together right, right. <laughs> like you know so right. there's still those possibilities uh right. you know that could occur Yeah
1: and and so and and that like i was saying the the brutality of buffy's fight with it you know so like, that's part of the tension too, you know? It's not just, like, how close did we come, but how um, kind of messy it is, you know? And, And so there's this kind of, not just the desperation of, oh, it almost got to her, but, like, Buffy's desperation in taking care of it, that this isn't just, like, a vampire that she stakes and it's normal. It's, like, she has to hunt this thing down and then, like, Punch it in the face with her bare hands until it dies. Right. Like that's a fairly harsh level of. I mean, now we don't. The presentation isn't anything as graphic as what you get on another show, but that <laughs> you, kind you need of a long
0: shot for punching a rubber snake head
1: isn't <laughs> like it's not exactly Game of Thrones. Right. <laughs> but but the. The idea of it, I think, is on par with that. You know, more so, because normally with Buffy, you get, like, more of that fantasy removed. Like, you get death by magic. Yeah. Or you get death by staking, and then they turn to dust. Like, this is kind of the, you know, the mountain crushing a guy's head with his bare hands type thing. Like, yeah. obviously, it, it it isn't visually gory in that way, but more kind of... The the idea of it is, like, up to more that level of, like, gore and violence. Yeah. So it's sort of like Buffy's desperation of, look what she's having to do in order to keep this situation under control. Yeah.
0: Or even a few episodes ago in Angel when he goes ballistic and, like, the others have to, like, stop him. Right. You know. Right. Right. Because of his anger issues, sort of in the moment right. there, yeah. This is, right. you know, it's definitely, you know, again, Buffy had just gotten beat up by Glory herself, so it, and she had already been on the hunt, so to speak. Like she, she, like she said, Riley, I need to go do something. Like I can't just mm-hmm. sit here, um, or no, not right, or was it to Giles or whoever? Like you know that that she has to go. There ha- there. There needs to be a physical confrontation for her to mm-hmm. have, and the first one she tries to have fails. And so now it's like she's even more frustrated and and needs yeah. to get that out. And so this is, you know, this is the way she does it. And it's you know, and there's it, it's a cathartic moment of sorts, uh, sure. you know, for her. So yeah, definitely.
1: So. Continuing with Buffy. Okay. Um, We do... uh, uh, That's kind of the the theme with her this episode is this, uh, you know, her feeling sort of um, helpless in the face of all this stuff and feeling like she has to get out there and do something, whether it's finding a spell or, you know, tracking down glory or even just, like, killing a snake monster. Like, something has to be done. Right. Um, And there's that nice little... Uh, moment when you know they kind of are transitioning between two scenes where Willow's talking about something else but the image is still of Buffy and, and it's Willow saying I just wish we knew what we were dealing with. So like the same way that the Scoobies are sitting there with books in front of them having no idea what to research you know so Buffy is sort of sitting there faced with you know really two problems you know the Keeping Dawn safe, you know, from glory, but obviously, you know, the situation with her mom and is sitting there without any information about either of these things. And just the frustration of, you know, having no idea what she could do or even being told there's nothing she can do. Yeah.
0: Well, and i mean thinking about even the title of the episode is shadow Mm. and Mm -hmm. and you know the explanation joyce gives to her is you you know mom what do they find a shadow i've got a shadow somewhere over there Mm -hmm. he showed Mm -hmm. it to me but you know we don't really know what it is and so like it's that yeah like how do you fight a shadow you know you you Mm. can't really um and actually there's a little parallel and i don't know if if you caught that but um glory when she's talking to the snake she says the power is yours to see what is unseen to find what is shrouded in shadow so there there's Mm -hmm. a there's a little parallel there even too of like dawn being the thing Mm -hmm. you know the key being the thing that's shrouded in shadow and so so if you think about it that way like there's there's two sort of like even though like you're right you know buffy has the protection of dawn to think about Mm -hmm. but she doesn't know what dawn is like nobody knows right. what Don is, so there's
1: right. you know
0: in both cases, there are these nebulous things um you know that and and that's that's actually why I, I proposed the uh the, the one episode title from, from Doctor Who of you know it, next is a thing, probably like you know they, like that yeah. there's there's this thing out there um and and Buffy doesn't know in either case really what the deal is that's going on there so uh right. you know something will happen we don't know and that's part of the frustration is the not knowing um mm-hmm. now in Joyce's case we find out uh very clinically it turns out mm-hmm. <laughs> you know once uh you know once um, they do sort of the cat scan and the biopsy and stuff so
1: Right.
0: Of course, it's not clear whether that's actually better for Buffy to know at that point.
1: Right. Um, Right.
0: Because it turns out to be a tumor. And so, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, now there's this, you know, other physical thing that Buffy can't fight, except she wants to. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And so um, her instinct is to go back to Giles and look for a cure, a magical cure. And they're, like, Giles and Tara and Willow are all sort of trying to dissuade her from that. Like, that mm-hmm. it's not the way it works. And that if you do that, medicine and magic, they say, don't really go hand in hand. And that, especially when it comes to, like, the brain, <laughs> you know. Right. There's...
1: Right. right. So not only can it not cure it, but it would be dangerous to even try. Right. Um, yeah, right. um, I'm a little sorry that this didn't, this episode didn't line up with, uh, listen from last week because I feel like there's a nice, crossover there in this idea of the shadow and and and, you know, the, the monsterless episode where you know you you, invent things to fight because there's nothing to fight in the first place. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, or or you don't have
0: of, a way to fight it, like it, yeah, that right, there's right. you don't even really know what it is.
1: Yeah,
0: um, yeah, you're right. I didn't really think about it that way, but you're right. That would have been a good pairing. But then we well, and but, even, but then like, we wouldn't Shadow, have gotten the five eight and eight five and. That's you know, true. So.
1: That's true. Which is better? <laughs> um, yeah. Um. So to kind of. Uh, wrap up the situation with the sort of Summers uh, ladies Um, you also kind of get you know their relationships towards each other like how are they relating to each other so you know um, protecting Dawn seems to be one of the priorities that they have you know so even in the beginning like her kind of saying like you know, why do they call it a CAT scan and asking all these, like, kind of (laughs) annoying little questions, and Buffy has to kind of remind herself not to get annoyed and and snap at her, but to sort of understand that, you know, she's she's young and she's trying to process her own fear and emotion and everything. Right.
0: Um, And part of the way that young people do that is asking silly inappropriate, maybe questions, you know, that seem like seem like they're completely trivial and whatever, but that's that's yeah. the way they deal with it yeah
1: that's how they're processing it um and then you know uh Buffy kind of maintaining that they shouldn't tell Don you know at least until the end of this episode, like you know uh before they know what's going on and and everything you know uh don't tell her you know because she's. Fragile right now is what she says. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and Joyce, too, kind of um, like waiting to have Dawn in alone, so it's just the two of them before they talk about it. So, you know, uh, you kind of get a sense of their dynamic in this episode. Yeah. Um, all of which to transition to Riley is kind of starting to, you know, uh, distance him a little bit, Um, you know, and you get that sense to kind of, I want to talk about his character through the episode, but to sort of jump ahead to the end for a second, you kind of, I get the sense that uh, I don't know what will happen, but potentially, Buffy will end up, you know, sacrificing that relationship with Riley for this one with her family. That, that that's as much as anything else, that's what's kind of keeping her closed off, you know? So, I mean, it's different things. Like part of it is just the stuff he's been dealing with about feeling inadequate. You know, part of it is her refusing to sort of share her feelings with him But also there's just that sense in the last scene when, you know, they're kind of talking, but as soon as, you know, uh, Joyce and Dawn open the door, Buffy goes right in and shuts the door and doesn't even really look back. That there's kind of a, in this moment, she has to sort of choose her family, you know, and that there's really not room for, you know, anything else. Um, Maybe that's being a little unfair, you know? And she did just get like, awful news this episode so that's not to say that you know that uh she'll continue to behave that way or that it's not justified but um you know that seems to kind of be what we're seeing in this episode anyway and at least how riley's interpreting it as him kind of being left like alone in the hallway um you know and and he connects with Dawn like takes care of her but also like in the sense of like her babysitter like his sure. job in this episode is mainly to look after dawn right not to not to support buffy with what she's going through and not to help her with anything it's more like he's on dawn watch team
0: yeah so yeah. dawn duty.
1: dawn Duty. Yep. yeah um which is not for where he is, is not exactly the job that he's most interested in doing.
0: Right, well yeah, I mean and on the one hand, like he's he's trying to you know play like he's okay doing whatever Buffy needs help with but we know that that's not really But he's clearly not. not Right, and
1: well to his credit, he's trying hard, you know, like he's Every scene with Buffy, he's trying to say, like, are you OK? What can I do? Do you need help? Like, you know. Um, but, like, it's clear from the other scenes that that's kind of a, a you know, right. a role that he's playing.
0: Right. And, and even, like, <laughs> so then, of course, there's, like, the discussion that he has with Don at the carousel. Mm-hmm. Um, where she's, like, I, maybe sort of intuitively, like, I don't think she can, like, tell that he's upset about the way things are going with Buffy, but she's, you know, Don saying, like, oh, Buffy's glad you're here, too. And mm-hmm. it's like, well, how does, you know, like, why? And and it's, well, she cries a lot less with you than, than she did with Angel. She doesn't get all worked up <laughs> over you like she did with Angel. And it's like, gee, thanks. Like, That's not, not exactly what I was hoping, you know. Right. It's like,
1: it's, it's well meant and it is a compliment, but it's exactly the last thing he needs to hear at this point in time. Like what he needs to hear is, you know, any confirmation that Buffy feels the kind of passion that, you know, that he feels for her or that, you know, she's felt for some of these other guys right you know and what he's being told by everybody is that he's the kind of like vanilla boy next door and his like main asset is that he doesn't get buffy worked up right (laughs) like you know um and and even when
0: so then when later he goes back to the hospital and it's like it's okay you can let it out like kind of looking for that moment he really wants her her to to just yeah get worked up and and for him to be the one there she's like no i i can't like if i do i won't stop and you know again like i don't think from buffy's perspective she's saying that to like make him feel inadequate but that's how he feels you know and he's looking at it very much from his own point of view of you know Mm -hmm. oh well you don't trust me to help or you don't, you know, like, I, you know, I, I'm not sure exactly, you know, the way to say it, but, you know, he's looking at it of like, Oh, okay. I'm not good enough to get that passionate over. And so mm-hmm. like, you know, she just kind of does her own thing and then goes back into like her mother's room and he's just kind of alone. Right. So, um, right. and of course there's also the earlier conversation with Spike, mm-hmm. uh, about, you know, Spike sort of, one, bragging that he, quote, spent the night with Buffy, <clears> in, you know, yeah. in, in his own way. But also, like, you know, the fact that, like you were saying, like, you know, Spike calls him, like, white bread or something, whatever. And, mm-hmm. and like, it's sort of hinting pretty strongly, maybe hint isn't even the right word, that, like, uh-huh. you know he's more Buffy's type than Riley is and, and that kind of thing. And like, you know, why didn't, why do you think that she hasn't had Willow and Tara, you know, D, you know, prevent me from coming back into the house and that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a, you know, Spike sort of purposely laying those seeds, but there's a lot of like other, you know, either, uh, unintentional or sort of more subliminal type of things that he's picking up along the way too and interpreting rightly or not, you know, in, in that same sort of vein.
1: Right. Well, and it's, it's subtle because on the surface it looks like Dawn and Spike are saying the same thing, you know, which is like, you're boring, you know, like compared to Spike and Angel, like, yeah. Like, this is how you're different than them, you know? Um, But when you actually, like, read deeper into it, you say they're kind of saying, like, the opposite thing. Like, you know, I mean, Spike, you know, not just trying to get a rise out of Riley, but also you realize, like, how much of this is to do with his own, like, wish fulfillment. Like, you know he he might be saying I'm Buffy's type because he l- would like to be Buffy's type. Right, you know, right. like that's an attractive idea, um, you know. And yes, she did, you know, love Angel, but, you know, that's kind of a, a big leap to then say she likes all vampires just because they're vampires, right. you know. Whereas, you know, Dawn's point, again, like maybe she doesn't word it all that sensitively, but her point is, Getting worked up was a bad thing, you know he made you know much as she loved angel, she was not happy you know yeah. um, and maybe you know it's a you know that this is not a good type to have that you know you want someone buffy wants someone who is you know more solid and and there for her and stable um you know. But on the surface, again, to Riley's ears, it seems as though they're both saying, like, you know, she's with you because it's safe and it's easy and all this kind of stuff. Right. Um, but yeah, so I just, before we finish with Riley, I do want to mention the little Spike scene because you kind of get him, you know, kind of a shock to realize that he can go in her house, that he doesn't have, that they still haven't, you know... Uh, bother to sort of change, you know,
0: the spiritual spells to keep him out.
1: Um, and he's sort of hanging in her room, sniffing her stuff, and like generally being a little invasive. And even like steals underwear on his way out, like, like you know, doing his sort of spike thing. So yeah. Anyway.
0: Yeah, very creepy and.
1: And the obsession continues. And
0: and that he tries to pass it off as like normal predator stuff.
1: <laughs> like, right, right.
0: That's still weird and creepy, dude. Like that doesn't make right. it better.
1: <laughs> get her, you know, get her scent yeah. so for the hunt. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. So we need to talk with Riley about the scene with Sandy. Yeah. Um. So yeah, crap wow. stepping, stepping over <laughs> lines a bit. Slightly line crossing a little bit. Um, so I kind of thought you could read it two ways, and I'm not sure which one I I'm I believe yet. So you can tell me which of them you kind of – Okay. Or maybe you have a third way. Um, but, or
0: maybe I just won't say anything.
1: Or maybe you just won't say anything. So I'm curious to know, cause it is in that kind of musical montage section where you don't get any dialogue. It's just sort of music and moody images, but, um, you know, he like sort of invites her to bite him. Right. Yeah. He kind of like takes her away into the dark and sort of exposes his neck in a way that's like, you know, right. this is what, he you know, so then what she does and then he stakes her. So to me, the question is, did he intend to do that? Like, maybe he wanted to know what does it feel like, you know, and maybe he just wanted to kind of, like, experience that, play with fire a little bit, and he was always planning to stake her, you know, uh, before it went too far. Um, Or was he actually thinking about, you know, turning like was this the kind of temptation to mm. turn himself into Buffy's type um and then he you know changes his mind halfway through or something um so and maybe that's maybe that's the continuing question and we'll have to come back to it but um and
0: you're just going to smile uh, and not say anything I will not weigh in at this point okay um it's yeah, I mean, I I think you're right. It can be read in either of those two ways. Whether it can be read in more ways, perhaps, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I. Yeah, I think, I think the important thing is what we sort of said up front is that he's clearly crossing some kind of line. Like, you mm-hmm. know, it, if this was like, say, you know, an attempt for him to like turn himself into a vampire to be Buffy's type. Like that's, that's clearly wrong because like, like we know it didn't work out with the last vampire. And obviously like, even though there might be personality similarities between, you know, one's human self and one's vampire self, like we know that there's a demon aspect there. And so he won't be himself. Like it's clearly wrong headed if that's the case of what he's doing. Um, So, I mean, if that is sort of his motive, then good that he sort of recognized that that's not the way Mm -hmm. to go. Um, Yeah, like, but if he's like, say, you know, luring Sandy, like, that's also like, like, you know, okay, did did he bring her there just like, solely to stab her and if so like why go about doing it that way why Mm. like is there sort of self loathing element to it which wouldn't Mm. be necessarily far from other scenes Mm. in this episode you know of him sort of feeling sorry for himself whatever um you know like does he feel like letting himself be victimized uh you know (laughs) legitimizes killing her in some way and if not like Mm -hmm. why like she's a vampire like is that in itself would sort of be a turn from his previous stance of just like all vampires are bad regardless of anything like their history their soul fullness or whatever uh Mm -hmm. you know like so he doesn't have a problem just running in with grenades and blowing up a bunch of vampires before why Why would that be something that he feels now he needs to allow himself to be bit first, you know, just Mm -hmm. to kill her if that was sort of his plan all along? So.
1: Right. And that's why, to me, the biting is the point. Like, sure. It's not about staking her because, like you said, he could just do that if he wanted to. Right. You know, if he wants to just go off and blow off steam and kill vampires, he, there's a ton of other ones he can do that with. And if he wanted to just kill her, he could have just done that. But there's something about, like, he wants to yeah. get bit. Now, whether, I guess then, like, to me, that's clear. The, the The follow-up is, does a part of him want to turn into a vampire, too? Or is it just about the kind of, like, whatever thrill or danger he gets from, right. you know kind of flirting with the idea but not really going all the way
0: Um, yeah so yeah i mean i'm you know
1: and i mean it also you know much as you know before i was saying that buffy is kind of closed off to him you know with everything that's going on with her family you know you could really turn that back around on riley you know uh with the amount of things that he's getting up to and things that he's thinking that he's not sharing either. So, you know, he may have kind of started out more like it may have started out as if he sees it more as Buffy, not sharing, but by now it, that's a mutual kind of thing. Um, You know, and you know, this is like, I mean, Buffy's not sharing because she thinks she'll fall apart if she does. He's like, like you said, deliberately going out and, you know, crossing all sorts of lines. Yeah. So it's getting more into the danger area. Well,
0: and, and Xander's the one who kind of really calls him out on it.
1: Uh,
0: yeah. Sort of surprisingly. Um, mm-hmm. You yeah. know, Uh like when he first goes in and, and is sort of complaining about it. I mean, you know, Captain America blowed it up real good all by his lone wolf, wolf self, lone wolf lonesome. So, you know, like this, and of course, lone wolf is never sort of a good thing to be called. Yeah. Like, it's always sort of, uh, it, it's not like, oh, you know, individualist lone wolf. It's always like crazy weirdo shooter, lone wolf, you know, um,
1: Right. Well, and there's something kind of like mocking about it of like, he fancies himself this sort of lone wolf. But like, you know, yeah. but, you know, you know that Xander means it's sort of sarcastically. Right. Um, um,
0: and then later when when like Riley is complaining about Buffy going out on her own and getting herself killed and how crazy that is, you know, Xander sort of points out like, yeah. Nobody else I know does that, right? Hint, hint right. you. <laughs> like, like. Right. there's this, you know... Um, well, I, I mean, obviously, at least at that point, there, there's a certain hypocrisy to it, but also just, like... It's hypocrisy, but it's sort of ironic, too, because, like, Riley doesn't really... Under, like, he doesn't see that. He doesn't notice that on his own. So, like... Right. Um, it takes Xander to sort of point that, that out. He, even then... Like, he sort of was like, well, that's different somehow. Mm. I don't really know how, but it's different. <laughs> you know, because it's me. Because it's yeah. me. <laughs> yeah. Um,
1: yeah.
0: So, yeah, like, I don't, I mean, there, there is, and we've already pointed out that he's sort of being reckless. And, you know, maybe, maybe the incident then with Sandy is just another step up of that same,
1: mm.
0: you know, Escalating recklessness uh, that he's been sort of going through the whole time. Right. We'll see, I guess. Yeah. Where that, where that leads. Um, all right. Well, we've we're like almost to an hour here. Um, mm-hmm. Any anything else mm-hmm. for like Glory, the Summers, Riley.
1: Uh, I think, no, I think I got everything I wanted to talk about. Okay,
0: So maybe let's spend a few minutes on the rest of, oh.
1: Oh, you know what? We, we did want to mention um, with Buffy. Yes. Her little encounter with Ben. Right. Um, just to sort of note that he keeps popping up. Yeah.
0: And so, okay, right. So in this case, he um, sort of saves her from the doctor with no bedside manner. Um, Uh and but at the same time like agrees with the doctor and is like you you need to go do something else like you need to find a way to deal with this that's not like sitting in the waiting room for the next six or seven hours Uh, right which is exactly what Buffy goes and does Mm -hmm. you know she goes and hunts down the snake and you know has a big Mm -hmm. cathartic fight you know Hunting bag, rubber snakehead style. Right. Um, so, yeah, like, I mean, he's not there long. He just sort of pops in and gives her his advice and then leaves. But, mm-hmm. you know, it turns out, unlike Riley, and I'm not setting, I don't want to set them up as, like, romantically, you know, opposites mm-hmm. or anything. But like from a perspective of what Buffy actually needs to do, mm-hmm. Riley, Riley doesn't offer like an active solution for Buffy, right? He right. he kind of is like, "What do you need? I'll help you," and she takes him up on it. Like not saying that that's right. bad or that like whatever, but he's passive in sort of the way that he helps her. It's okay, well, can you take care of... Like, since you're asking, can you take care of Don and make sure she gets to school on time? Blah, blah, blah. Right. With Ben, it's like there's a certain level of insight. And maybe it's just because he's a nurse and so he's been in this situation and he knows that people need to leave the hospital and, you know, do other things. Like family members who just sit around, get upset Mm -hmm. and tired and weary and whatever so like it could be that or there could be something else going on like so right you know i don't want to draw too much like comparison there necessarily but but just the idea of like he's actually coming in and sort of giving like active advice for buffy to follow whereas you know riley is again sort of being passive and just like whatever you Mm -hmm. want whatever you need uh just but you have to tell me like it you know it's not it's almost in a way placing more of a demand on Buffy, whereas mm-hmm. Ben is sort of.
1: Right. Giving her a bit of direction. Yeah, yeah. Like here's, here's what you can do, you know? Right. I mean, not that it fixes the problem, but here's a way you can help yourself deal with it better. Um, right. No. And I did kind of notice that, that she opens up more honestly with him than she does with Riley, sure. you know? Um, you know, and maybe it is because, like, Riley keeps saying, let it out, let it out, what do you need, and prompting her to have this kind of big breakdown when more of what she needs is someone to say, to be a little bit more incisive and say, you know, here's what you're struggling with, how about you do this, you know, right. and, and kind of cuts through the all the kind of, you know, chit-chat to get more to the point. Um. um.
0: So, yeah, so again, Ben's not there a long time. I don't think we need to spend a ton of time on him, but you know, he shows up again in the hospital. Again, we're, mm-hmm. back, we're right. back in the hospital uh, for what, like the third or fourth episode, kind of in a right. row. Right, lots, um, lots of
1: episodes uh, in the hospital and, this season.
0: And, and we know that Joyce is getting surgery, so, right. it, you so know, we won't be back. It's not a shock <laughs> to think that we might see more hospital in the future. Um, right right so yeah uh okay the other sort of like round table (laughs) uh (laughs) you know for the other um scoobies that we haven't sort of addressed yet Uh, right
1: okay so giles um his place his shop gets trashed again uh (laughs) yeah although
0: (laughs) i mean right there's the window and like stuff gets knocked over
1: I mean not completely
0: right. Trash, not like, not maybe quite yeah. as bad, but you're right. Like This is going to be
1: like a weekly thing of like rebuilding. Right. This <laughs> is
0: definitely an ongoing uh time. So <laughs> not this isn't like a huge spoiler, but there is like a moment um in a later episode um where they're like in Buffy's house and like something gets broken or whatever and they like comment on like how much money like they must have spent over the years, like fixing things because demons keep breaking in everywhere. It, Replacing it, it, broken it, 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 furniture. Yeah, it's a and, pretty, it's yeah. like, it's a funny sort of self-introspective moment for the series. But um, right. Right. anyway, like, yeah, like this is any profit that Giles has been making from being open is just going right back into some, uh, you know, some costs right. of, of right. owning a shop that apparently attracts demons and neer right. do wells um so yeah
1: and i think my my favorite uh item that he well apparently he doesn't have it but i I really want a copy of alistair crowley sings I think that (laughs) sounds amazing (laughs) um he does i don't have that but i do have some lovely whale songs right right (laughs) he has like soothing new agey kind of occult stuff which cracks me sure um And, okay, well, we talked to him, we talked about how he, like, helps Buffy track down the snake and advises her against, you know, looking for the healing spells and stuff. I did want to mention his line to Xander about, you know, I'm almost sure you're not, but to be fair, I wasn't listening. (laughs) Um, Because I've, I've, that's one I've seen, like, you know, uh, trotted out as a sort of classic Giles moment. Yeah. Um, his just sort of assumption that Xander's wrong in in any given situation, right. but to be fair, he wasn't listening.
0: Um, yeah, no, I mean that's hilarious. Uh, and of course, not paying attention also is what leads him to selling glory true. the the true. wrong items, um, and which which is hilarious because. Like, now, you know, we're bringing in, again, the the employer-employee dynamic between him and Anya. Uh, right, and, right. Are you stupid and, or something? Uh, are you stupid? <laughs> but also, like, not just that, but then also later when Anya's like, oh, we've had enough of, you know, uh, doing the wrong thing for one day. And everyone's, like, trying mm-hmm. to cover it up and, like, blaming it on Blaming Anya. it on her. And she's like, right. what? That's ridiculous. Like, I didn't you know, do the thing that was wrong.
1: Well, and not only did she not do it, but she's the only one who actually was paying attention. Right. You know, like, right. if she'd been at the cash register, she would have known not to sell these things together and, uh, yeah. you know, like and might have actually been able to prevent this from happening. So. Um, I
0: actually kind of feel bad for her in those moments because it's like, she's coming across as this, like, you know, incompetent. Right. Whatever. When it's like, no, wait a minute. It's the guy who owns this place who's faulted in. Right. Um,
1: Right. And she's the one who's actually catching this stuff.
0: Um, So, I mean, it all comes out in the end. And so, you know, Anya's sort of vindicated. But I I, I like how she's like half whispers, like, Giles sold it to her. (laughs) Like, to Buffy. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway. so And and also the idea that like Xander is sort of coaching her on the side of, of how to be a good employee, which you know, he's had a lot of jobs so well
1: and we've seen that he's was it in the replacement that like he got promoted at his construction job so like he's actually good at being an employee and right, like, was a valued right. employee so he actually does know something about it but yeah like he has all these sort of
0: rules <laughs> right. for, that was rule number five you know, apparently rule number five yeah. is not telling your boss that he's stupid that he's stupid <laughs> <laughs> um <laughs> so yeah uh and, and then also with Anya, the great reminder uh, of how much she dislikes bunnies. Um, right, the, right, that's the, right. Uh, yeah. Xander, thinking of, you know, it's like that, that uh, sort of Ghostbusters moment. I just tried to think of something that could, you know, was cute and couldn't, like, harm us in any way. And Xander's right. thinking of bunny worshippers, and Anya's like, well, great, thanks for those night Uh <laughs> lots, of, lots of fun there. Um, All right, so Tara, I want to make sure we mention, too, because, um, like, actually, like, I I, I mean, Xander, we get sort of the moments with Riley. Um, Willow, we get the one sort of moment with Dawn, uh, you know, sort of asking that question, but there's not, and, like, she gives a little exposition, like, you know, explaining to Buffy what transmogrification is, uh, you know, Mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. But, like, um, Tara's the one, like, and and we've sort of seen, you know, like, with the episode with her family and stuff that, like, like that's sort of her adoption, maybe, officially into the Scooby group. But, like, here's where, like, now it's like, okay, she's there. She's with the books. And, like, she's actually right. coming up with the idea of, like, you know, hey, maybe this is something. Remember that thing you said, Giles, about, like, you know, the unspeakable thing? Right. Like, you know, and she's the one sort of putting stuff together that the others aren't. So... Just sort of further integration, I think, here. And, and you know, making herself useful and known to the rest of the group as, um, yeah, as just someone who's, you know, smart and capable and, and can sort of add to the group now that they've sort of officially accepted her. Uh, right. And, I
1: feel like they sort of nominally ad- accepted her before, but now she's sort of acting like it. Right. Like she... Like, I even noticed that she's there before the others. So she's not just coming, like, tagging along with Willow. Right. She's there first and helping Giles with research. Right. And like you said, she's the one to suggest, um, you know, about, well, what if Gloria is older than we think and all these sorts and, of things. So.
0: And confidence factor. Like, I don't think she yeah. stutters once, like, in this episode or, like, hesitates. Right. Like, right.
1: It doesn't do the, like, well, I think this, but Willow probably knows more than me. Right. Or, you know, like, she offers an opinion and doesn't apologize for right. it.
0: Right. So, so good. Good on her. Um, Go, Tara. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, I don't I don't really have anything else. Did you have anything else for any of the other Scoobies? Uh,
1: no. I think that covered everything that I have.
0: Cool. So like, like you sort of said at the beginning, definitely, definitely an episode where we get a lot of these little character moments kind of moving chess pieces around, so to speak, to, to sort of get people lined up in certain mm-hmm. ways. Um, we'll see mm-hmm. how that lining up fares, um, you know, yeah. in, in the next few episodes and uh, whatever. But yeah, I, I, I do like this episode. I think it, it works pretty well. Because of those character moments, and um, you know, even though the the snake isn't still, you know, maybe the best uh, CGI Mm -hmm. in the world, it's you know, it's really not about the monster. It's it's about those um, connections. So
1: yeah,
0: cool. All right, on to Doctor Who, I guess. Yeah. So uh huh. Well, did you have any? production notes
1: uh um not anything important just to point out this is another of the little co-written scripts which again i don't know what you know how to interpret you know moffett's involvement in this one um so i mean we just don't know exactly what that means um but uh the the co-credit is with stephen thompson who hasn't always been the strongest you know um Curse of the Black Spot, Journey to the Center of the TARDIS, not great episodes. I I kind of feel like, you know, um, I mean, I think he's getting a little better as time goes on. It's still a little befuddling, you know, why he gets called back year after year. Um, Well, and... (laughs) You know, because his episodes are never really that fantastic. But I feel like, for me, this one is a little bit... more well-constructed. It's a bit more watchable. Like, you know, I don't think it has as many of the problems as, you know, uh, you know, I I feel like Curse of the Black Spot has a lot of problems that make it sometimes Mm. hard for me to enjoy. Center of the TARDIS, I feel like, has a lot of potential. It just doesn't necessarily use its potential. And here, I feel like it's more competent. Like, it's watchable. You know, Mm. the the story and the plot work, like it's, it's well done enough. You know, it's not, you know, to me, it's still even him kind of doing a pretty good episode is one of the weaker episodes in the season, you know? <laughs> sure. Just cause I don't know that there's a lot of there there, but, um, Fair enough. You know, but I don't know, maybe, maybe we can prove me wrong. Um, so that That would be my only production note, and it's not even a production note it's more just my own opinion that like he's kind of you know on a very gentle upward slope in his Doctor Who career
0: and well, and it looks like so he's also written a few episodes with sherlock um mm-hmm. you know, which is whatever like that's fine um yeah. but but his Doctor Who episodes are also the doctor does genre episodes like right. like all, like all right. three of them so far anyway right. have been that right. that sort of thing so it's like i not that the doctor does genre is always bad but like mm-hmm. i mean there's obviously some very good ones town called mercy mm-hmm. is pretty good you yeah. know and and whatever so you know there's some some decent ones there but it's it's also not like like it's how much do you try to stick to the genre and how much do you try Mm -hmm. to deviate because this is doctor who and it should be telling its own story anyway and i feel like there's some elements um uh, you know as we break it down but even just situationally and i wanted to start with sort of the whole situation um yeah there's some elements in here that just don't make sense and i think Uh like from a from like a genre perspective, not even from like a like like a bank heist genre perspective, not right, like right. a character or whatever perspective, yeah, but like okay, so you get Bank of Carabraxo's most secured bank in the universe, and that's that's fine um, you know, banks can make that claim wherever I suppose, like there might others that also make that claim mm-hmm. um, you know there's the sort of the uber. Uh, almost capitalist but like i i feel bad even saying that because like in actual capitalist systems like you're not allowed to just incinerate people or like eat out their brains you know what i mean like like this right. is like clearly very much of like this is on a world where like the bank is that's the more dictator. of like a fascist yeah kind of yeah thing. exactly yeah. so uh you know you have this sort of setup where like by simply walking into the bank, you're basically forfeiting <clears throat> your life if they, right. if if the bank decides that you're up to no good, and they're judge, jury, and executioner, you know, mm-hmm. on the spot. Um, you know the the wiping of the memory is interesting. You know, especially given how much like we've seen in past seasons. That memory plays an aspect, and so you mm-hmm. get this, you know, wipe, wiped memory and the message that we've all we're all wiping our memory, you know, of our own free will kind of thing. And so, that's interesting. I just don't know why. Like, mm-hmm. like I don't feel like it plays that big of a role mm-hmm. in this episode, especially when when you find out that everything they're going to do is to rescue the teller's partner. So, like, they could have just kept quiet about what they're doing. The teller would have read their thoughts and realized what they were going to do and right. then said, oh, they're not guilty of robbing the bank. You know, like, like it just seems like one of those things that's, like, created to overcomplicate a plot mm. that's sort of weak to begin with.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, right, like... It's a nice idea that, you know, uh, you, to erase your own knowledge of what you're doing hides your guilt so that protects you from this idea. But you're right, like, probably they would be less guilty if they knew why they were going in there than, right. than having no right. idea because – having no idea why they're going in, the sort of default assumption is that we are criminals. We're, right. we're guilty because we're breaking illegally into a bank. Yeah. Whereas if they knew their mission, they would know this is a rescue mission and it's sanctioned by the head exactly.
0: of the bank. Exactly. That was the point and, I wanted to make, And therefore,
1: too. Yeah. we don't feel any guilt whatsoever because we know it's the right thing to do. Right. So right. it's, again sort of that like okay that sounds good but like does it really is it how thought through is this right
0: right so that's right and i so like i could see that being done well i just don't i feel like once we know the final plot and it's sort of revealed it -hmm. it sort of falls apart so um but yeah like yeah the fact that like it's sanctioned by the owner of the bank and it's and it's you know, to rescue someone, not to, like, steal anything. Rescue someone who's clearly being held against their will. Like,
1: right, I right. wouldn't
0: feel guilty about letting that person out. So if, if what right. you're detecting is guilt, then, yeah, like you said, like, the not knowing is kind of worse than the knowing Um, in that case. So.
1: Right, and maybe it's a case of, like, the idea of guilt is the problem. Like, I could see it making more sense just being a pure – the teller reads thoughts. Sure. So we wipe our mind so that we can't think about our plan because we don't know our plan or something like right. that. Um, it's the, it's that guilt factor that doesn't, you know, because yeah. actually, because what the doctor says about the more we know, the more guilty we feel that that's actually the opposite. You know, it's not true. The more they know about their mission, the less guilt they should feel. Sure. Um, so it becomes a kind of counterproductive idea
0: um um the, and the final thing is for the most secure bank in the universe why would the most secure bank in the universe have like huge ass ducts through which like people could just <laughs> crawl through from any room to any other room that they absolutely right, want to right like that i okay i get that like you know maybe we're not always gonna have uh you know, the best, you know, like, like in this high scenario, but like, Mm -hmm. I feel like that's just like such a glaring oversight in bank security that like, how many times do they go through ducks from one room to another?
1: Right, right.
0: And into a hallway where there's absolutely nobody like standing guard. Right. You know, what is there like two guards in the entire place? Because that's all we see. (laughs) Like, ever. So, I just, it just doesn't make sense to me that for a place that's so secure, and, you know, presumably they have cameras all over the place. Why don't they see them crawling through the ducks? Like, why are they running around, like, trying to find these people? So, just from that perspective, too, like, it just, it's just poorly designed and thought through mm. from a like physical security perspective. I I feel right. like there have been much better break-ins, like of uh-huh. places that are actually seem like they're more secure, just in Doctor Who than right. than like <laughs> this sure. particular bank. So um I don't know. Right. All of that aside. Like that's mm-hmm. the situation. That's the hand we're dealt. There are some things I think we can talk through about the characters. Um mostly I would say the doctor. I don't have a ton of stuff for Clara. Um and mm-hmm. I feel like Sai Sa- mm-hmm. and Sabra, Cyber and Sabra. Sabra. Like they're they're kind of interesting you know, on a surface level, but I don't, I don't know how deep they are, but there are a few things we get about the doctor. So maybe we can talk through that.
1: Sure. Well, did you start, want to start with Clara's sort of frame narrative? um, Oh
0: yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: For the episode.
0: I was supposed to start Um, with that even before talking about the situation. No, you're right.
1: uh, I forgot. Um, That's okay.
0: Yeah. Well, well, and, and it's not much of a frame either it's It's sure. just that you know she's going on now like a second date uh with danny um uh-huh. so you know at we saw sort of her go back and make up and like they're trying it again um uh-huh. still very awkward between the two of them right the so i the first time we sort of saw the two of them together, we get sort of the cutaways and, like, Danny, um, you know, sort of regretting his, the way that he sort of right. responded to Clara. And then, like, the second time, you know, we see, like, Clara being the one who's sort of regretting the way things went. Um, still pretty awkward. I think we can mm-hmm. get – I think we can be done with the sort of cutting and go back to, like, more of a – just, mm-hmm. like, traditional, like, okay, here's what happened. And, like, now here's Clara going on a date. Like, I don't know. In the order of Yeah, I, I just don't know that it's always. Or, like, just see Clara getting ready for a date. Like, do we even need right. the cut, you know, to go to see the two of them sort of talking awkwardly? We know that's a part of, like, their interaction with each other. And it right, just, right. like, again, that doesn't go anywhere really here. So, um. Sure. I mean, it's not, like, terrible. Like, it was fine. Like, it's kind of funny that, you know, he sort of gets things mixed up in what he's trying to say. And, and that's all fine. But it's, um, mm-hmm. I found more interesting just the idea that, like, the Doctor, again, is sort of clueless about, or mm. is appearing to be clueless. Like, it's, it's, well, it's never yeah. quite sure, you know, is the Doctor actually not aware of, like, why Clara has colored you know a colored bin face, you know, like right. as he says. Right. Or
1: why do you why are you wearing heels? Do you need to reach a tall shelf? Right. Like right. And I think that 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 question is raised um because we've had that pretty much this whole season with this new doctor is this um yeah. these kind of oblivious insults to Clara about her appearance, you know, right. like like, oh, it's fine. You're built like a man and like, you know, uh, you know, digs about like, well, you don't have makeup on and she does have makeup on, all this kind of stuff. Like, um, you know, when we get it in this, like, she's kind of trying to say like, look how good I look. And and he's sort of, you know, not, you know, just not getting it. Right. Um, right. but you know, I think there is a little bit of room to question whether or not that's deliberate because, you know, if we, so if we're going to wrap around the frame to the end of the episode, when she goes off to actually go on her date, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of get his, when she leaves, his kind of smug robbing a whole bank beat that for a date, right? you know? So this notion of their relationship, even though again, to go back to his kind of starting the season saying, I'm not your boyfriend and all that. Remember that he said that was his mistake, not hers, you know? And so there's still this sense of a little bit of rivalry there of whatever date she's going on can't be as cool as robbing a robbing a whole bank sure. with him. So I think that kind of opens up the question of... Is, is he protesting a little too much about how much he doesn't notice her, sure. you know, her appearance or, sure. you know, all those sorts of yeah. things.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that possibility is there, I guess. Um, and and it does seem a little, like, too much. like
1: Right.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's a bit...
0: It's a bit forced so that said, yeah. let's go into talk about sort of the episode proper okay. um, the so the the well, and so we get we get sort of the back and forth too like with the whole memory thing, but mm. he gets a call suddenly, they're in this room, mm-hmm. Why are they in this room? Well, apparently that's where they wanted to start for some reason. Mm -hmm. But, like, okay, so again, they're in this room in the middle of the bank. What are they doing there? Why are there, Mm -hmm. like, people going after them? And they get out and escape to go outside the bank and come back in the front door?
1: Mm -hmm. Like...
0: I'm not clear why, why <laughs> that is. Like, they've already infiltrated right. the bank. Why didn't they just move forward from there? Because they just go... Further into the bank. They just go into the bank to once again get discovered and be chased by people.
1: Right. Yeah.
0: So I, I don't know. Like, we don't really get an explanation about that. Um, but we do meet yeah. sort of the other two members. So we get Sai and Sabra... And mm-hmm. um, Sai is an augmented human, and Sabra is a mutant human, um, mm-hmm. and they both sort of have their woeful stories. Um, mm-hmm. Sai being a criminal who doesn't remember his family—how sad. Uh, mm-hmm. Sabra is, um, you know, like she she apparently can't control what she looks like because if she touches something else she'll look like that thing. Uh,
1: I was going to say she's rogue, but, you know.
0: Well, but, yeah, rogue is a little different though, right? Rogue is like, she like kills people when she
1: touches them. Um, that's true. That No, that's true. But that kind of forced uh, solitude because of her inability to touch other sure. people. And that, that inability to touch being kind of metaphor for her sort of isolation
0: and all that kind of thing um yeah no in that aspect you're right i wasn't i didn't i didn't really think about it that way but yeah i could see that um and she has yeah right she has like the gloves and and the you know like mostly covered uh you know (laughs) outfit on so yeah yeah (laughs) um
1: Right, and them being kind of like, I feel like in heist movies, you you get that you get, you have to sort of assemble your team, but sure. with all these people with like special skills, like it's you know right, you
0: have to find you right,
1: you need the like, uh, you need the 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 people to sort of hack the security. You need the like con man who can lie his way in. Right. You know, you need the acrobat who can like dodge all the like. You know lasers and all that kind of thing. Sure. Um, and so, like here, you have this, or bend over you know, and
0: crawl through the wide air ducts,
1: <laughs> which anybody, which can they all do,
0: so <laughs> presumably there's, there's do. No, yeah, no special requirement. There.
1: Right. Um, no, but but these guys are like you know they can you know Sai obviously can do his sort of hacking you know thing. And sayro, with her sort of impersonation, yeah. um, which they don't get to use that much, but, you know, they use it a bit. Um, so they sort of fulfill, the, like if we're looking at genre requirements. Right, right, like right. That's right. kind of, you know... The, the role that they play, right?
0: And the doctor is sort of the leader. Obviously, he's the architect, even though right. we, we don't right. know that. Well, he says
1: that's his power is he, he's the leader. Like that is his special, right? You know, skill. Which, yeah. Why, why are you the leader? Uh,
0: Mostly because of the eyebrows. Right. <laughs> um, I, I like how Clara sort of like nods. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: She's like, yeah. That's it. That's um, that's where most of his authority comes from. But
0: then also because he actually is. It's just nobody knows him. Yeah. Um, right. So yeah, so the, uh, the team assembled and they have their parts. They just don't really know what parts those are yet. And they had to mm-hmm. sort of figure them out along the way. Um, the The moments that I find most interesting are where where they talk about like what it is they want. So like, you know, what's your motivation? Why are you here? And so, you know, the doctor sort of asked that of Sai. you know, what what is it you want more than anything else? Whatever it is, it's here in this bank, you know, because obviously you sort of, you agreed to be here and you would only do that for something that's, you know, that valuable to you. Um, except we don't really... Well, I guess there's two ways of interpreting. So we get we get that, you know, we find out later that it's so that Sai can get his memory back and so that mm-hmm. uh, Saber can, um, you know, drink this sort of genetic fixing mm-hmm. potion or whatever. Uh, mm-hmm. We don't totally get what it is that the Doctor and Clara are there for. I mean, we... We get that their thing is in the private vault, and so it's to help this woman, which is not really the thing, it's to help free the other person. But it's not like it's not a physical thing, it's not a like, and it's not for them. So, I guess, I guess you can read that in two ways one is that, like, okay, the thing they're getting. It's just that they like to help people, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and, and that's fine. Like the doc, that's what one of the things that the doctor does is he helps people, right? He helps, yeah. you know, comes in and sort of saves the day and rescues them and whatever that's fine. But also, but like the other thing is that like, like you sort of mentioned the, the point of it isn't so much even what it is they're rescuing. Uh, It's, it's that. Then the doctor sort of gets Clara to himself for a while, mm-hmm. uh, and they have mm-hmm. another adventure. And Clara wants more, you know, okay, mm-hmm. I won't, you know, don't go and rob any banks, you know, don't go rob any banks, what you know, well, without me, like that's it's right. that without me part that he's sort of interested in fishing for, right? Um,
1: yeah,
0: and of course, in that respect, then too, it's like, well, that's also what clara wants clearly because she's saying bring me along again next mm-hmm. time like there is right. this there is this idea that um you know and again like with clara she's not the constant companion like we've talked about like she is mm-hmm. the one he picks up and then drops off after the adventure's done and you know a week yeah. or whatever will go by like who knows maybe they're still on their wednesday schedule we don't we don't right. really get a right. specific reference to it but um I get the sense it's a little more sporadic than that though, just because like mm-hmm. you would think that if they were on a strict Wednesday schedule, Clara wouldn't have scheduled a date for Wednesday or something. You know what I mean? Like, right, like right. oh sorry, Right, I have no, it else seems like on. he's
1: sort of barging into her life a little bit more than, than we've seen before. Um, like it's not an arranged meeting time. Right.
0: But well and like, you know, and like the uh was the last time or the time before that, I guess, that uh um you know he just like shows up like 2 weeks later after having like dumped her you right. know right. uh to you know for whatever so um so like yeah like there there is a sense that like it's a bit more sporadic it's not really the the regular wednesday you know sort of thing but that there is definitely uh uh you know that but that there is you know the sense that she She's not, like, living on the TARDIS, like, you know, mm-hmm. th- like Rory and Amy were, or, um, you know, just going everywhere with the Doctor, yeah. um, like the other companions have done. So, uh, I mean, I don't know that that will change, per se, but mm-hmm. there is this sense of, like, like it's going to continue. Like, it's like, okay, we have a book club. And just because we got to the end of this one book doesn't mean we're disbanding. We're going to read another book and then we'll read another book Mm -hmm. after that kind of thing. Like there, there, there is this sense that even though she's not the constant companion, she's still intending to be there for the duration. Um, Mm -hmm. and of course we know that she appears in season nine. So (laughs) like, like that's not, or, or will appear in season nine. Um, so that's not wholly, like, out of the question or anything to sort of look at that. But just from an attitude perspective of, like, she's enjoying what she has with the Doctor. And so so right. my thoughts on all this, like, I know I realize I've sort of gone a long way around, to, like, getting to this. <laughs> but my thoughts on all this and, like, with the frame and, the you know, the burgeoning relationship with Danny Pink is where does that come to a head? <laughs> like, where does that... Right. Like, we already sort of saw, like, the I don't do weird, you know, conversation uh, last time. Um, Mm -hmm. This is very weird. So, Mm -hmm. like, at what point (laughs) does that become an issue? Excuse me.
1: Right. Well, so, yeah, we have kind of two different, um, you know, rules, which are kind of, Against each other. You have Danny's, like, I don't do weird. And then you have the doctor's, you know, no soldiers. Yeah, you know? that too. And so, like, in the space of a couple episodes, we've got each of them unknowingly kind of swear off the other one. Like, that, what, what that other person stands for, I don't want. I don't stand for it. Like, you know, those are people I don't want to associate with. So, yeah, and then you've got Clara in the middle, you know, which she might be able to embrace both of these things without contradiction. But like you said, when does that come to a head? At what point can, can, how long can you keep them sort of, you know, nice and neat and in separate boxes, Mm -hmm. you know, and when she had her very nicely controlled Wednesday schedule, that was one thing. But, you know, here it starts with, You know, the doctor kind of persuading her to sort of take a little detour on the way to her date. So you can kind of see that that plan isn't, you know, um, isn't going to go quite as easily as it might have. Um, You know, and I think that's maybe to an expansion of the relationship with a new doctor, you know, because there was this suggestion that, you know, she had, you know, greater sort of control over the 11th doctor, that he was a more, you know, would kind of come for her on Wednesdays and, and kind of allow her to sort of be the sort of boss in charge and everything. Whereas this doctor isn't as, you know, uh, even, I mean, with other people, he's clearly not as interested in sort of going out of his way to be likable. You know, um, even if his actions are basically the same, it's just his presentation is a little different. And even with Clara, you get him sort of not really caring whether what he does is what she wants him to do. He just sort of does it, says what he wants, comes when he wants, you know, and, you know, kind of says like, well, nothing's going to happen if I answer the phone, but of course, you know, something's going to happen if he answers the phone, you know? So there's this kind of sense of, he is, you know, a little jealous of her company, and sure. isn't very interested in. Uh, he's not going to be as easily dissuaded to sort of stay over in his corner, I guess. Right.
0: Right. So, yeah. Anyway, all right. So, we kind of wanted for. Well, I kind of wanted firefield um, <laughs> and all that, but I do think. I, I, I mean, I know. I like. I started talking about like the, you know, the thing that like Sy and Sabre wanted, but like again, mm-hmm. like they're sort of throwaway characters. Yeah, no. So, it's true. so I do feel like it's more interesting to talk about, you know, what is it really the Doctor and Clara wanted from this heist, and and like I, I sort of put it as like neither or thing. I guess it doesn't have to be. It could be a both thing. Like, you know, the mm-hmm. point is to help these creatures you know mm-hmm. uh find some sort of happiness which they do and good for them. i'm i almost i was waiting for the as the creatures were like walking into like you know the, uh, the idyllic meadow like whatever yeah. i kind of expected the them to like hold hands like at some point right. as they're yeah. walking away like yeah. the, you know this very like yeah. whatever but you know nice nice that we you know they can help them and and whatever and it, you know and it had a very similar feel to um uh, the episode with like the pocket universe i can't remember what that yes, one was yes, yeah, like,
1: yeah, I think so too. that kind of surprise, romantic ending of like yeah. monsters in love and and right. we've set them free, and how wonderful well, so um, um,
0: so there you know there there's that, and like like again that's what the doctor does, like repeatedly he he goes on to mm-hmm. help people so. That's great. Um, but yeah, like at the same time, is there... Like I do feel like there's that other aspect to it that's even maybe a little bit more of like, yes, I get Clara to myself for a while. And and mm-hmm. and the doctor does see that she's sort of developing this other relationship, um, mm-hmm. especially if we believe that he's not quite as blind as he that's on the boot. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, I'm not I'm not entirely sure what to do with that because, again, like, we do have the declaration of, like, yeah, I, this isn't a romantic relationship between us, but,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, I don't know.
1: Right. Well, and I think with The Doctor, too, I mean, I mean, who knows what things, like, you know, as the show continues to evolve, this might not always be true, but... Up until now, even though the new show has been more um, explicit about, like, romantic angles to the relationships with the companions. Um, Oh, darn. Darn it. Are you there?
0: yeah hi
1: i lost you for a second
0: are you there hello
1: yeah i'm here
0: <laughs> so am i okay. can you see me
1: yes All right. okay let me think of what i was saying um so I don't know where you know the show will go in the future as it continues to evolve, but I feel like even up to this point, even though the new show's been more explicit about those romantic angles to the relationships with the companions, it still has never you know really fully gone all the way in that direction I mean. River Song is an obvious exception but she's never like the full main companion. She's always more of a of a secondary character, I think. Like she's not like the main companion of the series, you know. Um you know, and and obviously like there's those overtones with Rose, but again, I feel like there can be those sort of romantic colors, but that's never just what it is, you know? So, my point being, I think there is a point to this kind of doctor pretending he doesn't notice, you know, what Clara looks like, you know, a whole shtick that they have going on. But I don't, I also don't want to take it to mean that, you know, the doctor's sort of just in love and pining and pretending that he's not. Like, I think he can sort of, You can still have that rivalry and not necessarily have it be 100%, you know, romantic, I guess. Like, there's the aspect of just he guards his companions jealously no matter what, you know. And part of it might be a kind of attraction to Clara, but part of it is just like having that other person to go, you know, throw yourself into adventures with and not liking that, you know. She's with somebody else. Like, I mean, we saw the 11th Doctor kind of act that way with Amy and Rory. And there wasn't, you know, the, you know, even uh, there was more attraction on Amy's side, it seemed, than there was on the Doctor's side. Like, he never really, yeah. you know, uh, sure, kind of went for Amy in that way. But you still had that sense of him being a little you know, gleeful to kind of show Amy things that Rory can't, you know. Um, There's always that kind of, like, uh, you know, jealous angle, I think. So, you
0: know. Sure, sure.
1: We'll see. We'll see where that goes, I guess. Yeah, and, um, like,
0: I mean, there is a sense, I mean, just from a doctor-companion relationship, I mean, there is – there is always a sense that it's a close relationship even without yeah. it necessarily being romantic. Like mm-hmm. I, I agree with sort of what you're saying there. So, um, and that, and that there can be jealousy sort of among friends too. Like the, it doesn't mm-hmm. just have, it, you know, there can be, you can be jealous if a friend of yours is spending too much time with their significant other and not with you, especially if in the past before they had that significant other, they spend all their time with (laughs) you, you know, so, right. Right. So there is that aspect of it. Certainly. Um,
1: right. Yeah. Um, well in our, uh, I'm not sure what other important things there are to talk about. The one I definitely do want to hit before the end is this whole idea of the architect. Yes. Um, because I think that is one of the kind of nice reveals of this episode. Because I feel like as it goes on, I think you do kind of get that growing sense that the architect is probably the doctor. You know, maybe different people get there at different points. But I feel like they hint it enough that you can kind of start to feel it coming. But I like I, I kind of feel like that would be just kind of a, a, a predictable twist except for the fact that they make such a big deal out of it, you know? And there's this whole like plot point around the fact that the doctor realizes that he's the architect and how does he realize that? Because he can't stand him. Right. <laughs> and so you kind of get this notion of, you know, the doctor, you know, this doctor, again, being a little abrasive, not always the most friendly towards other people, but at the same time, He's not kind of arrogant about that. You get that he kind of gets on his own nerves, you know, like, (laughs) you know, he kind of knows that he's, you know, kind of a jerk sometimes. And, you know, and even not even just in this incarnation, but just, you know, his own personality. So, you know, I like this notion that I know one thing about him, which is that I hate him, you know, because he's overbearing and manipulative and he's so clever and, Clearly you know there's really only one person it can be right. um,
0: so yeah no and there's there's definitely with the the whole clone stuff going on there's this whole idea right. of like looking into your own face and um, mm-hmm. you know the the I, I thought the I thought Del Fox's response to um, you know asking like well why are, why is this your job, kind of thing, and it's like, well, the face fits. Like I thought that was a little heavy handed, um, especially <laughs> a second time through when you like know that it's when you know uh, right. that she's a clone. But, um, but there is that sense of like, on the one hand, like like in both cases with the doctor and with um, Caribraxus, that there, you know, you only can trust yourself to do the job well, but you also kind of. Don't like yourself, so you know right. there's there's this sort of dual, um, uh, uh, what's the word like right. egotism at, at the same time as like the self loathing <laughs> is there. Yeah. So. Um, right. So yeah, I don't you know I don't know what to make of that per se, but um, yeah, uh, the doctor. Not the first time we sort of referred to him hating himself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't know how much that will continue to play out, like as far as like what that means, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we definitely have gotten that, that sort of idea before too. So. Um, right.
1: Well, and I want to note too, his kind of, uh, <laughs> the, that little, uh, shut up! Shut up! Shut it! Up! 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 You know that kind of little rant he goes on. You know, it's not the first time he's told people to shut up this season, and that's kind of a running Twelfth Doctor thing of you know, um, you know. And this one gets the most sort of creative with the way that it does it. Um, you know, and and kind of the the takeaway afterward is that this is the closest. The Capaldi doctor will get to his sort of foul mouthed Malcolm Tucker character. You know, like he can't really be as colorful in his language, but he can tell people to shut up kind of creatively. So, um, you know, kind of further giving him little quirks that are, you know, unique to him. Sure,
0: sure. All right. So I don't have anything more. Okay. To talk through um, the 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 teller and his spouse or her spouse or whatever is saved. Mm-hmm. Um, the doctor sort of says, "There she is," but we don't we mm-hmm. don't really know why one of them is female and the other isn't. Right. <laughs> like there's no explanation given. It's just I guess the doctor no sort of features, sort of knows, right? I guess. Um, but yeah, I I think I think unless you had anything else you wanted to sort of cover, I'm, I'm good at this point.
1: Uh no, I think I think for this one we can probably wrap it up there.
0: Alrighty. Cool. Well, we will be back then with another episode of Angel next week and some more Doctor Who. All
1: right, see you then. <laughs>